In the name of God who creates, redeems, and sanctifies. Amen. Please sit. Two summers ago, I went to a conference in Northern California, and the conference was kind of fine. Um, But what I remember most about that time was that it was the first time I had a chance to really sort of walk around and sit in and kind of look up at the mighty sequoia, which is just a massive tree. I mean, so massive that some of them, you really can't even see the top of them. They just disappear into the sky. And what you can see are just these big, broad branches that stretch out, but they're way up high. And they have these massive root systems at the bottom, some of which grow out of the earth, because it has to, to secure this huge tree that just towers above you. And I remember sitting there and just sort of marveling at how clear and crisp the view must have been from up there. And it's almost like it sort of flipped a switch in my head because clearly I had seen trees before, right? But all of a sudden, I sort of fell in love with trees. And then no matter where I went, I couldn't help but sort of see them and kind of marvel at them. And particularly in the fall, sort of take in just how lovely they are. So nerd that I am, I started doing a lot of reading about trees, about forests. Did you know that it's not just the big sort of taproot that we all learned about in elementary school that goes down and pulls up the water. There's also all of these other little roots that reach out and touch each other, and they form this network underground that we don't see. And they divert resources. They send sugar this way and sugar that way to help trees that don't have enough of what they need. They also have the remarkable ability to keep alive trees that have fallen down or trees that we have cut down for years and years and years after we think they're dead. They share. They're in it together. And by doing that, they create this whole little ecosystem around them, right? Their big branches stretch out and they give life to the whole forest, to all the animals and all the plants, everything that's safe under their big branches. This morning in the gospel, we hear one of my absolutely, it's just, it's one of my favorite stories, which I know probably sounds a little silly, but it's a great story, and because I love you, I'm not going to sing the song (laughs) that I learned when I was in Sunday school, but I am going to repeat the first line for you, just for those of you who maybe weren't tortured the way that I was as a child. So the first line is, Zacchaeus was a wee little man. Join me if you want. A wee little man was he. Yes, there's hand motions. Thank you, Jen. (laughs) He climbed up in the sycamore tree for the Lord he wanted to see. And the song goes on then to tell the story that you just heard in the gospel. And really, you should thank me for not singing it, because once it gets in your head, it never goes away. Which I have been doing all week. So, Zacchaeus is the chief tax collector in Jericho, and Jesus is passing through, and he goes looking for Jesus. And what the text doesn't tell us is why. Now, presumably, he goes looking for Jesus for one of the many reasons that we go looking for Jesus. It could be that we're sick or sad or lost, or that someone we love is sick or sad or lost. It could be that we are searching for something real, some kind of foundation or connection or collaboration, something that is going to ground us, something that feels joyful and refreshing. 
We don't know why Zacchaeus goes looking for Jesus, but the text tells us that when he does, there's this huge crowd around Jesus, and he can't get to Jesus. He's just stuck. It's loud, and it's crowded, and that makes sense, because at this point, Jesus was surrounded at least by 50, 60, 70 people wherever he went. He had an entourage. And so getting over the sort of busyness of life and getting to Jesus was a problem. So Zacchaeus has this sort of silly idea, which I don't think most of us would do. He runs up the path a little bit, and then he climbs up a sycamore tree, and he's in the tree when Jesus passes by, and Jesus, full of surprises, says, you should really come down because me and my 70 friends are showing up at your house in 10 minutes. And Zacchaeus is unfazed by that, and unfazed by the fact that the crowd immediately starts to grumble about why Jesus would hang out with this guy, because he's a sinner, and he's chief tax collector. And somewhere between this conversation in the tree, which really is a little ridiculous, isn't it? Somewhere between this moment, when he sees Jesus and Jesus sees him, and the moment when Jesus shows up at his home, something happens. Something changes for Zacchaeus. And the text doesn't really tell us what that is either. But something has transformed him. Because when Jesus shows up, Zacchaeus makes these completely unprompted, unrealistic promises. He says, if I've cheated anybody, I'll pay it back fourfold, and I'll give away half of what I have to the poor. Being chief tax collector, he had quite a lot. So he's talking about giving quite a lot away. And Jesus, in response, says, Today, salvation has come to this house. Not just to Zacchaeus, but to his whole house and to all the people around him. Today, this child of Israel, this son of Abraham, is welcomed back into the fold, becomes part of the people of God again, is restored to right relationship, and the poor and the people around him who he's hurt and who just are hurt benefit from his generosity as well. It's a great story, even if you wouldn't necessarily go and climb the tree. So assuming that Jesus is always supposed to be the hero in all these stories, and sort of removing him from the equation, who's the hero in this story? I think it's the tree. Seriously, I think it's the tree. Because that sycamore tree had stood on the side of the road probably for a very long time, for generations. And sycamores in the ancient world were sort of prized. Because not only did they have these big, strong branches that stretched out, they also had figs. So they were flowering and fruit-bearing trees. And that sycamore probably stood there on the road for generations before Zacchaeus needed it and for generations after he needed it. Meaning that people would have stopped on the road while they were traveling, on their spiritual journeys, wherever they were headed, and they would have found shade and shelter and rest and maybe a snack too. It would have been the kind of tree that children climbed into and took the figs with them when they were hungry. And it would have been the kind of tree that offered something to everyone who passed by. On top of that, it would have just been sort of lovely. 
So I think the hero of this story actually is the tree. And the truth of the story is that all of us have a tree like that. The tree is here. It's this place. It's this community. This is the place where you are invited to climb away from the crowd, to climb away from the din of life, to put some distance between you and the busyness and the things that distract you from God and from God's relationship. This is the place where you are invited to draw away, to pray, to learn, to grow in relationships, to accept forgiveness, to offer forgiveness, and to learn who God is and what God wants for you. Like Zacchaeus, you have to choose to climb the tree. You have to choose to climb up into the big, safe space under those branches. You have to make it a priority, and you have to bring your gifts to it. Zacchaeus would have needed some skill that probably I don't have to climb that tree. But when he got there, the tree was deeply rooted enough and had strong branches enough to hold the weight of a man who, though the text tells us was short, was still a full-grown man, so would have had some weight to him. Our tree is just the same. You have to choose to climb up in it. You have to choose to participate, to learn, to grow, to pray. And if you do, we are rooted enough to hold you in that and strong enough to do the same thing that tree does for Zacchaeus. It is the tree that lifts him up, that gives him a change of perspective, that launches him into the nearer presence of Christ. And it is the church that invites us to do the same thing. This place in particular does it in a tremendous amount of ways. In fact, today we'll have some confirmands sign a book that says they will spend a year learning about what it really means to follow Jesus. In the last little bit, we've also worked hard on our, our mission relationships and our collaboration with other organisms, other organisms outside this place. That's those, those rooted networks where we share resources and we send sugar and goodness in other directions. In Paul's letter this morning, he says something that's really sort of fascinating, too. He's writing to this community that he loves, and he says, we must always give thanks to God for you, brothers and sisters, as is right, because your faith is growing abundantly, and the love of every one of you for one another is increasing. My friends, in the last year and a half, I have watched the faith of this place grow abundantly. I have watched your love for each other and for the community outside us grow abundantly. And part of that is because each of you brings a, a gift and a piece of yourself to this work that we do and to this great organism that is our tree with deep roots, a life that reaches up and grows out of what was, a life that honors and cherishes the life that was even as it reimagines what might be possible. I have watched you in the last year and a half care for our folks who were dying. I've watched you remember them. I've watched you do that with more love and more care, frankly, than I've seen in any place I've ever worshipped or ever served. This is a place with rare and abundant gifts. And it's a tree that has the ability to lift all of us up, nice and high, 
into that view that is crisp and clear, that launches us into the more mirror presence of Christ. The last thing Paul says, he sort of, he sort of talks about the fact that he boasts about this community that he loves, and so I can't help but tell you that last week when I was at convention, that's exactly what I did about you. Because I'm proud of you, and I'm proud of the work that we're doing, and I'm proud of this last year and a half of growth and new relationships that we have started to lay down in this thing that is our tree. But I hope that you'll remember this morning that in order for those branches to grow, we all have to choose to kind of climb in. And it can do lots of things for us. It can be safe space. It can be challenging space. It can be a place where we learn and pray and wonder and worship and grow. But it can only be that if we do it together. So I want to lift up to you just the last part of what Paul says. May God make us worthy of this call. This call to become a community that not only pushes us into the presence of Jesus, but also invites other people to know Jesus as well. Because, my friends, this world is starving for an authentic experience of Jesus, the way that Zacchaeus finds him in this tree this morning. This world is starving for hope that doesn't die, for life that is stronger than death, for love that is always the answer, and for an authentic experience with the one who comes to save us. So I hope that you will continue to make this tree part of your spiritual journey and that together we will be able to show Jesus more clearly to the world around us. May salvation come to this house and to the whole world. Amen.